Good morning. That's an average Wednesday response right there. That's good to see everybody out here. Um, I do want to make a little plug. One of the things we hope with chapel this year is it's not just our ideas and things to talk about, but we want to hear from you a little bit. We want to hear some of the questions that you might be wrestling with, some of the things that just don't make sense to you. Um, I'll prime the pump, uh, the pump here a little bit. Why do we pray for people to be healthy at practices and games and they still get hurt? Anybody ever wondered that question? Maybe not, maybe just me? Okay. I would imagine that as we are walking through the hard stuff of our faith, questions come up. And maybe there's something out there that you've always wished a speaker would talk about or you'd like to hear us have an honest dialogue about it. There's an email address that we put up a lot, schaplin at sterling.edu. What I would ask is send us those questions. We would like to, in a later chapel, do a panel. Bring in some staff and faculty and coaches, whoever it might be that might like to tackle some of those questions and have a discussion about some of the real issues that we face. So if you've got a question like that or an issue you want us to tackle, just shoot us an email and uh, we, will, we will get that put in that queue and see what we can do. A few weeks it's going to be Halloween. All right, I don't know if Halloween's a big deal anymore. When I was a kid it was. Um, why do we like being scared so much? Why do, how many of you like to go to scary movies? Okay, now all of a sudden the hands start coming up. There's something about us that like to be scared. I remember I was a freshman in college, and two other freshmen, Byron and Dwight. Dwight was our power forward. He was about 6'4", 6'5", about 240. He was a big dude. Byron was a point guard out of Montana. Um, Byron's claim to fame is he once killed a horse with his truck. Uh, somehow ran into a horse and the hooves came through his wheel or his windshield and almost killed him. But he was this cowboy kind of kid out of Montana, and they were pretty tough, tough guys. Well, one night they were riding back from work, and that was about a 25-minute drive from where they worked with a couple of seniors, Joel and Steve. And for some reason, they started talking about scary movies. Now you have to understand this was in the heyday of scary movies. You had the original Halloween, Friday the 13th. Nightmare on Elm Street. He had all these movies, and that was kind of this huge genre of the day. And so they started talking about, for all the way back, all these different scary movies they had seen. Steve and Joel dropped Byron and Dwight off at the front of the school, and they drove on back because their dorm was way in the back, back, back part of campus. Dark, kind of old. It's where the older guys, but somehow Byron and Dwight had got a room back there as well. And so later that night, Dwight's on the bottom bunk, he's the big guy, Byron's on the top, because you don't want the big guy on the top bunk, just in case, right? Um, and they are still, it's probably 12.31 in the morning, and they are still talking about scary movies. And then Dwight says, you know, wouldn't it be really freaky if somebody reached out and grabbed us right now? And at that moment, a hand comes out from under his bunk bed and grabs his ankle. In one move, without touching the floor, Dwight made it to the top bunk. <laughs> Joel, and, or, uh, yeah, Joel and Steve had snuck up to their room and were hiding under their bunk bed. And they were laying there listening to these guys get more and more scared, more and more scared, until the moment was just right. The next morning, Joel and Steve go down to breakfast as they walk by Dwight and Byron's room. The light's still on. 
Both guys are sleeping in the top bunk. And that's, uh, we never let them live that down the rest of their four years at college. Being scared is fun, usually. At least for the people who's doing the scaring. But being scared and being afraid are two very, very different things. Fear is this powerful, powerful thing. It can paralyze us, can't it? It can keep us rooted in a spot, afraid to move. It can keep us from risking it. It it can keep us from stepping out and trying something new. We always look for opportunities to be scared. When the next movie comes on, where we go, we we'll, we'll watch it late at night. We'll binge watch all 92 92 versions of Friday the 13th or whatever it is. But fear is something we don't like to talk about because it gets us. I. Uh, The camp, the camp we direct, we deal a lot with both fear and with being scared. Being scared's fun. We can tell scary stories around the campfire. Kids look forward to it. You gotta come up with a new one each year. But then you have these moments where kids get real about what they're really, truly afraid of. They're afraid that mom and dad are gonna get divorced. They're afraid that they're not ever going to measure up to their parents' expectations. They're afraid they're not going to be loved the way they want to be loved. They're going to, afraid they're going to disappoint somebody. And here's the thing about fear. It's not logical all the time. I know things that, that cause fear in me, and I know in my head they're not logical, but I still can't change how they hit me. We may know that this is not a good thing to be afraid of, but sometimes we feel powerless to change it. I, uh, I played with a couple guys. They were good basketball players, good athletes, and they performed well. But I don't know that they ever enjoyed playing because they played, their motivation was they were so scared to lose and so scared, so afraid to let people down. That even when we won a big game, they couldn't fully enjoy it because they were already worried about the next. I've been there as a coach. My first two or three years as a college coach, we were not very good at Trinity. We were in a rebuilding program. I had come from a successful high school program. and, And after losing two or three years, all of a sudden I didn't want to lose anymore. And I started coaching not to win, but simply not to lose. And even when we won games, The ride back, I'm already wrestling and nervous about the next one. So this morning I want to talk about fear. And I'm going to tell you I understand it's different for each one of you. And it's not something we like to acknowledge. Here's another part of fear. Uh, Those of you who who are psych majors, there's a term in psychology called potentiation. And what it says is once you start being afraid, once you're afraid of something it makes you more likely to be afraid of something else, and then you're more likely to be afraid of something else, and then you're more likely to even be afraid of something else. Fear starts to spiral. It's like that snowball going down the hill. If I'd ask you, and basketball players can't answer this because I've said this numerous times in, in our stuff, but if you have a perception of the Bible and what God tells us to do, 
if I asked you, what's the most common command in the Bible? What's the thing God tells us to do more than anybody else? Somebody would probably say, well, don't lie, or don't have an affair, or don't be cruel. The reality is the thing that God tells us more than anything else in the Bible, over and over and over and over again from the beginning to the end, is do not fear. If you want to be obedient to what God tells you, don't be afraid. If you want to experience the fullness of life in Christ, one of, those, one of those elements in that life is that we don't have to be afraid anymore. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Be courageous. Do not be anxious about anything. Over and over and over again, God tells us, you do not have to be afraid anymore because I am here. So this morning, we're going to look at two stories that will hopefully help us understand a little bit more about fear and the fact that it's already been defeated. The first story in Matthew chapter 8, and I'm going to read this a little bit because there's a couple key points, and I think we have it up there. Um, It says this, Then he got into the boat, Jesus, and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves were swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up, rebuked the wind and waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and waves obey him. When he arrived at the other side of the region, of the gatherings, and then it goes on. I'm going to come back to that in just a second. Let me, uh, let me point out some important facts in this story for you. Number one, his disciples had, as part of their group, a lot of fishermen. They knew the sea. They knew what happened when a storm blew up and you weren't prepared for it. They knew what happened when the, winds were, or the waves were coming over the boat. What was happening was a real deal. Sometimes we like to downplay people's fears. Oh, it's going to be okay. Oh, it's not a big deal. Oh, that's just, you're probably a little oversensitive right now. It's going to go away. First thing I want to do is I want to validate a lot of your fears. They are real. It's okay to be afraid about staying married someday if parents and grandparents, great-grandparents couldn't make their, work, their lives work together. We see those patterns. That's a reality. It's okay to be afraid if you've been hurt or assaulted and now you're trying to do life and those fears come back. Those are real and don't let anybody tell you they're not. The storm was real. The storm... The storm was a big deal. And even if Matthew, the tax collector, maybe doesn't quite understand how bad it is, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, they knew this is the real thing. Sometimes in the church, we unfortunately will tell people, oh, just pray about it, and it's all going to be okay. Just learn to control your mind. You just got to think better thoughts. 
We had a son who went through two years of depression. It was hard, it was dark, I was scared. You can't tell your son, just be happy. Just think happy thoughts about Jesus. That doesn't work. Something has to change inside of us. Something has to transform our heart. The Bible says our minds have to be transformed. Something needs to change for healing to take place. And I want to tell you, wherever you are, whatever that fear is, that is absolutely real to you. But I also want to tell you there's something you can do about it. You see, the reason we're afraid is we don't really understand who Jesus is. In the midst of this storm with the boat being tossed and the waves crashing over, this isn't an ocean liner. This is a small wooden fishing boat. Jesus is asleep. He's not worried. He's not concerned. He is sleeping. And the disciples are freaking out. They're looking, how can he sleep during the storm? The reality is if you created the sun and the moon and the stars and you created weather and you created water and you created wind, you don't fear the storm because you control the storm. And see, handling their fear, being strong in the face of all of this terror going on around him, Jesus was able to sleep. For some of you, I am going to tell you the reason right now your fear is so tangible and real is because unfortunately you don't know Jesus yet. You've never entered into a relationship with him. You've never had him walk beside you. You've never had him there to speak in the midst of the craziness and the terror. You don't know what that's like that yet. And I'm also going to tell you that until you know Jesus, until you know the God who creates the storm, the God who controls the universe, life should be a little bit scary. Because you can't control it. You can't fix everything. And it's about who you know and who walks with you not just about what you think. The last fact for this was just the last, last statement, and it's a weird statement for me to include right now. And I'm going to come back to it later, but I just want to point out, it said, after the, the storm stopped, they arrived in the region of what's called the Gadarenes. That's the group of people who live there. And I just want to plant a seed there. We'll come back to it. Don't worry about it, but it's going to be a little important later on. A few chapters later, we come across another story that in some ways is very similar. Jesus has been teaching, been doing some miracles. I think we'll get the, the next one up here. And, he, and this is how the story goes. He says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against him. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. 
don't be afraid. Now let's look at some of the important facts in this story. Again, the problem's real, but now it's different. They weren't scared by the wind anymore. They weren't scared by the storm anymore. They were working hard. They'd been through the storm. Jesus had saved them. The storm wasn't scary anymore. And then all of a sudden they look up and here comes some dude walking across on the water. And immediately fear comes back. It's a ghost. You see, when we conquer one fear, sometimes there's another one that'll show up. And Jesus says a very powerful, powerful statement. He says, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Let me, let me give you something that whether you know Jesus or not, something you can take away from chapel today. Courage is contagious. Courage is contagious. In your life, there has to be somebody you can take courage from. And frankly, you need to be somebody that somebody else can take courage from. On your team, there's a couple people. They make you fearless when you play with them. There's, there's people who step into a role or, or into a performance, and because they're fearless in what they do, they make everybody else play better. Uh, I was a tennis player all the way through high school and college. When I started tennis, we had a guy named Will Winningham, top five in the state of Minnesota. I was a better player because Will Winningham was on our team. I wanted to be like Will. Who do you take courage from? More importantly, are you the kind of person that somebody can take courage from? Because the reality is, you will never overcome fear by yourself. Nobody goes into their dark room at night and you hear the trees scratching. We live in old houses. Our, our house we lived in here was 110 years old. Now we live in an 87 year old house. You ever been in an old house at night when it's dark and you hear a thump downstairs and you're trying to decide, do I go down and get mugged? Do I just pretend it's not there, right? You hear a scratching, and you're sure it's somebody breaking in. We had a girl who's, who lived with us last year, and, and she forgot to close the garage door uh, when she left. She comes home, and the garage door is open, and she's so freaked out. She calls her friend. Her friend gets her gun. They're crawling around our house with a gun, looking to see who might have snuck in our house. When it's dark and it's scary, we're afraid. And then somebody flips the light on. Somebody comes beside you and says, I'll go through it with you. Somebody says, I'm here. We can do this together. And all of a sudden, what your fear was doesn't seem quite so big anymore. The Bible says perfect love drives out fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. First John says that. The reality is the reason we can live in fear we can live free of fears because Jesus went to the cross and his perfect love shines light into the darkness of our light. It shines light into the darkness of our life and it drives out those things that cause us fear. But again, you cannot do that alone. That's the message of the gospel. 
Very first thing God said when he created, he said, let there be light, and there was light. And later we hear that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. You know where your fears live, grow the most? It's when it's dark. When you're by yourself in the dark of your mind. But when you shine light on it, it really isn't that big anymore. When you bring it into the light, you see it for what it is. And when you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Bible says that's what happened. His light comes into the darkness in your life. His light shows the things for what they are. And what was hopeless now becomes hopeful. What was broken now becomes mended. What becomes a desolate fear of the future now becomes hope. And we don't have to live in fear any longer. In this particular story, that's, that's what happened. They said, hey, it's a ghost, and they were fearful. And Jesus says, take courage. Take courage from me. It's I. And Peter says, okay, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come and join you. Jesus says, come on out. And that wind that had been buffeting didn't matter anymore. And as long as Peter kept his eyes on Jesus, the things that had scared him faded away. I mentioned before there was this place they were going, the region of the Gadarenes. When we read this second story, this is what it says in verse 34. When they crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. That name means nothing to you except Gennesaret is the place that the Gadarenes lived. You see, the first time Jesus went there, there were these guys, they were demon-possessed, and the people couldn't control them, and Jesus cast out the demons. And, and the demons said, hey, don't just cast us out, throw us into those pigs over there. And Jesus said, okay, go. And all the pigs in the community, all of their, their resources, they went crashing into the ocean. And the people said, get out of here, Jesus. We don't want you here. You need to leave. This isn't a healthy thing for our community. And so Jesus and the disciples left. Now they're crossing the lake and they're going back to the place where they weren't wanted, to the place where they were driven out, to the place that they were rejected, to the place where many would say that was a failure because you got kicked out. And we have a similar account. They're on the lake. There is fear. There's wind. But when it's all done, Jesus gets into the boat. The wind stops and they arrive at Gennesaret. And this is what it says, the very same people who rejected him, the people who kicked him out, the people who sent him away. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. Here's what I want to tell you on the other side of your fear right now. Maybe one of the greatest victories God has in store for you. On the other side of your fear right now, God may have planned something for you to step into somebody's life, into somebody's world, and make a difference that you don't even think you could do right now. On the other side of this fear is a place where people have rejected you, a people have 
despised you. A people have belittled you. Somebody has hurt you. And on the other side of that fear, God's going to do an incredible miracle. Because that's the kind of God that we have. So the Bible says, do not be afraid. Do not fear. Take courage. It is I, Jesus says. I am here. Take courage and walk with me. So here's where the rubber meets the road. How do we overcome fear? How, how do we get past this thing? We can't just will ourselves past it. The Bible tells us we need to take every thought obedient, every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Well, what's, that's just a Christian term, a Christian phrase. What does that mean? I want to do something different today in chapel. I believe that the promises of God are powerful and true. Far more true, far more effective, far more impactful than any wisdom or ideas or stories that I can tell. And so if it's okay, I would like to read over you today from God's Word. And, and you can do this at your level of comfort. Um, I'm not even going to give chapter and verse. I have all the references, so if there's a verse that really hits you, come see me. I can tell you where it's at. You can keep it, and you can claim it. But I would like to ask you to do, if you're willing, is simply close your eyes and think about that fear. That fear that's there, you know it. You wrestle with it. You try and pretend it's not there. I just want you to get that And as you think about that, now I want you to hear God's word. If you feel weak and powerless, and you fear there is no way out right now, strengthen your feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come to save you. If you feel fear because you feel all alone and nobody is there, for I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear. I will help you. If you fear that your past and shame will never go away, and they'll always keep you trapped or limited, or you fear you've moved away because you've moved away from God and you're just never able to go back now. Do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth. For the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. He will call you back. If you fear your anxiety will always paralyze you and you'll never be free. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give it to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. If you're fearful that you won't amount to anything or you don't have any worth, God says, since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give men in exchange for you and people in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. 
if you're going through one of the scariest times of your life right now. God says, the psalmist says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. If you're afraid you can't finish the job, that you may not be good enough or talented enough or have enough resources, God says this, be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work is finished. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. If you're afraid because you feel utterly alone, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. If you're scared of the next challenge ahead of you, you're not sure you can do it. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Tell everyone who is discouraged, be strong and don't be afraid. God is coming to your rescue. Open your eyes. I saved the best for last. This is my favorite. I learned it when I was a little kid. In Isaiah. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. And I will strengthen you. Surely I will keep you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do not fear. God is here. Take courage. Jesus offers it to you. Let's pray. Lord, fear is powerful and it paralyzes us in ways we can't even describe. Lord, I pray for us as a community that Sterling College would become a place where fear is defeated, where fear is broken. That there would be a freedom and a hope and a release that is here. God, that those who are stuck right now would discover that you are there waiting to enter into their lives, waiting to walk beside them, waiting to give them courage. God, that your truth overcomes and takes captive any thought that we would have. And so, Lord, we leave here with a little more courage today, knowing that you are with us, knowing that you help us, knowing that you uphold us, And I pray that as we know that, we would share that with each other. Make this a bold place. Make this a courageous place. Make this a strong place. And a place where light shines in the darkness in ways that we can't comprehend, but we are so thankful. I pray all this in Jesus' name.